Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into my February scavenger hunt preview in today's review episode. Mm, Preview episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? February's scavenger hunt is brought to us by Tyler Perkins on Letterboxd. Tyler Perkins, I'm looking at his profile right now just to give us an idea of who he is and where his list and uh, tasks are coming from. The four films that he has listed in his favorite film slots are There Will Be Blood, uh, The Seventh Seal, Upstream Color, and Room. Uh, A very interesting mix of uh, pretty much all very highly rated critical darlings, I would say. Uh, Some much more prominent than others, There Will Be Blood, Room, Um, And then you've got The Seventh Seal, which is a much more sort of classical critic type of movie. Uh, And then Upstream Color is even more indie than that, and most people won't really know it. They'll probably be more familiar with the sister film to Upstream Color, which is Primer, uh, the other film directed and starring Shane Carruth. Uh, But nonetheless... Uh, three, I've seen all of those but The Seventh Seal and have loved and enjoyed all each of them quite immensely. Uh, yeah, so that's Tyler Perkins. Here is the little uh, foreword for his scavenger hunt, scavenger hunt number 23 for February 2017. He says, Hi everybody, I'm very excited to host this month. I tried to make the tasks personal to my life and important dates in the month. I really hope that you see the personality within and better know me through these tasks. I present to you The Scavenger Hunt of February 2017. And that's great. I I love it. It's uh, only 28 tasks. It's a short month, uh, you know. So there's a a lot to, to dive into here. Um... Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wait a second. He's kind of adjusted some of these. Oh, no. They're still the same up here. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's just get right into this. Uh, as I said, it's as it's February, there will only be 28 movies in this scavenger hunt. Hopefully, that means that this will be a shorter than normal uh, scavenger hunt preview episode. But who's to say? Um yeah, so we've got the first task, a movie that takes place in a courtroom. Plenty of good courtroom dramas to pick from, and the one that I went with is the 1992 film directed by Rob Reiner, A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men stars Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Pollack. And others, I'm, I see a lot of names on here that I recognize. Um, this is, in fact, an Oscar-nominated film, at least. Um, I'm not going to go into the specifics. I'm just going to check to see if it was. It'll show up in the every film ever nominated for any Oscar ever list on Letterboxd. And this is, this is a movie that I, I think is in everyone's purview, particularly... I mean, especially if you were alive when it came out and of age, I think everyone was aware of this movie. It is highly quotable. Uh, I know many quotes from this movie. I've never seen it, though. And so I'm finally, finally putting it down on the list. It is over two hours long. And that'll be frustrating. But... I think it'll be a good one. It's got a 3.7 average rating on Letterboxd, which is pretty solid. Pretty solid. Number two, a movie where you watch the same events occur more than once. 
Um, not as as wide as a potential as 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 far as potential options go as uh, a courtroom drama, really. But definitely a good number of movies. You know, this is going off of the February second is Groundhog's Day motif, which I think is fun and fantastic. And I've seen plenty of fan, really great movies that that repeat occurring events. Uh, most notably in recent memory is Coherence, which I adore. Um, but for me, I went with a film that I that I believe, or rather that I know, is on the top 200 list of James from the Cinerealist podcast. This is his 25th film overall, the highest ranked film on his list that I've yet to see. And that is the 2009 film directed by Christopher Smith, and that is Triangle. This will be the first Christopher Smith movie I've seen. It stars Melissa George, Liam Hemsworth, Emma Lung, Rachel Carpani, Michael Dorman. These are names I don't recognize. Uh, yeah, this, I don't really know anything about it. I'm looking at the poster here. You've got sort of spiraling triangle shape getting smaller until it's only surrounding a ship on the ocean and the bigger shards as you go out feature a girl's face uh, looking in despair with the biggest shard of all also showing a hand of hers as if it's pressed against the window pane i i'm interested you know i like, I'm, I'm not even reading the synopsis. I don't want to know anything about it. It looks like... I'll look at the genres. Horror. It's a horror movie. That sort of lines up with ja James, for sure. Uh, and I'm hoping it's a good one. It's got a 3.4 average rating on Letterboxd, which is still fairly solid. And a quick scroll through the most recent reviews, three and a half, four, five-star reviews. I'm good. That's good for me. I am looking forward to it. Number three, a movie featuring computer programming. Uh, I mean, you know, this could be so many different films. And it wasn't that difficult to, to figure out to find any, uh, but it was ma rather the idea of which film to pick that became the issue. And so I went with a 2001 film directed by Dominic Senna, who I've seen four of his films already. I've seen Gone in 60 Seconds, Season of the Witch, California from last month's Scavenger Hunt, and Whiteout. This will be my fifth film of his that I've seen, and that is Swordfish. Uh, Swordfish is a film that I, I've always remembered the name of. It's I believe it's rated R, and therefore when it came out, I was too young to watch it. And I kept seeing it at my library when we would go to the library, but I was unable to rent it. Uh, Swordfish stars John Travolta, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Don Cheadle, Sam Shepard, Vinnie Jones, and more. A uh, huge list of names. Uh, most of these seem like background characters, though. Those are the big ones. And, uh, yeah, I I struggle with John Travolta, man. I really do. He's, you know, I've seen most of, I don't know, I've seen not many of his films, to be honest. And... I'm just, I'm very unimpressed by him outside of the big ones. Uh, and so for me, the big ones are Pulp Fiction and Face Off. And that's it. Uh, you know, I've seen him in Ladder 49, Old Dogs, ugh, Wild Dogs, Hairspray, Grease, Carrie. He's like barely in Carrie, really. Um, the Thin Red Line, he's a voice in Bolt, and I've seen him in a couple of documentaries, and I just, I don't know, he never really turns me on as an actor, 
uh, apparently he's very good in um, the people versus OJ. Uh, so maybe, maybe Swordfish, even though it does have a 2.6 average rating on Letterboxd, not not good, but maybe simply him, maybe he'll be good enough in this movie to be worthwhile to kind of stop avoiding uh, the movies that he's in. Not that I'm actively avoiding them, but I, I, you know, for as big of a name as he is, it's kind of crazy that I've only seen 12 of his movies. That's uh, a small number. So, Swordfish, number three. Number four, a movie that features a single mother or only child. Uh, this is a tougher one to really pin down as far as finding the films that it that satisfy this quotient. Um, but uh, the film that I did find is a 1992 film directed by Alison Anders, who d- was one of the directors in Four Rooms from my December scavenger hunt. And this film is Gas Food Lodging. Uh, this stars Brooke Adams, Ione Sky, Firuza Balk, James Brolin, Robert Knepper, Knepper, Knepper. Uh, I never know. Uh, he plays Teabag on Prison Break. Um, yeah, it's it's got a three point three average rating on Rotten Tomato. It's got a three point three average rating on Letterboxd. It's a drama romance. And it's directed by a woman. And while I didn't particularly find Alison Anders' segment of Four Rooms to be particularly enjoyable, I, you know, clean slate on this one. It's, you know, there's three, the last three reviews are three and a half, three and a half, and four and a half stars. And that's pretty solid. Uh, It seems to be very of its time. The poster is very 90s looking. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's where we're at. Gas food lodging. Don't really know anything else about it. Number five. A movie about a black athlete. Uh, a lot of different movies like this. Um, you know, you've got Creed, uh, Hoop Dreams, um, you know, there's there's plenty you can go. It depends how specific you want to be with athlete singular. You could go for if you're if you're willing to expand that as to just being there have being a black athlete in the movie. You could say remember the Titans. You could say um, the Glo- uh, Glory Road. But I went with and I've seen all those movies. I went with a 2008 film. Uh, directed by David Mamet, Mamet, who I've seen one of his films previously, and that is State and Maine, which I quite enjoy. I think it's very, very good. Uh, but I went with a film that is on the top 200 list of one Zach from the Cinerealist podcast. This is his 87th overall film. And that is Red Belt. Red Belt stars Chiwetel Ejiofor, Tim Allen, Tim Allen, Alice Braga, Jose Pablo Cantillo, Randy Couture, Ricky Jay, Joe Mantegna, Emily Mortimer, David Pamer, Rebecca Pigeon, Jennifer Gray, Ray Mancini. Uh... Is that the same? Jake Johnson from the from New Girl. He <laughs> Jake Johnson is credited as Guayabera Shirt Man. That sounds amazing. I cannot wait for that. <laughs> Guayabera Shirt Man. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I've only recently. I think it wasn't until Twelve Years a Slave came out and and Chiwetel Ejiofor kind of blew up all of a sudden that I really began to notice him as an actor. And this is a movie that kept coming up as like, oh, well, if you liked him in this, you should go back and watch Red Belt. Uh, I remember specifically listening to the Cinderella's podcast 
uh, when they reviewed 12 Years a Slave and they referenced this movie. And yeah, it's it's a martial arts film, somewhat. Uh, you know, there's jujitsu. And Shwada Ajifor, main character, is a jujitsu teacher. I don't really know anything else beyond that. The poster is quite, uh, it's a little graphic. It, it's tough to tell. It seems like there's blood on his face, but it could just be the, the way that the poster is um, shaded and colored and hued. Uh, it's got a 3.4 average rating on Letterboxd, which is good. Uh, the last three reviews gave it a 3, 4, and 5 stars, respectively. And, uh, yeah, you know, the last big, the last MMA movie that I watched, uh, I think, was Warrior, if I'm remembering correctly. And I love Warrior. It's one of my favorite movies. So this is this has got some competition to to really set itself apart. I'm really intrigued by the Tim Allen in this movie. I really am. Number six, a movie featuring a punk show. Uh, this is another category that was very hard to kind of pin down. Um, you know, but I did I did find one for sure. It is a 2010 film uh, directed by. Floria Sigismondi, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, and it is The Runaways, uh, which is sort of a, I guess it's a biopic um, about Joan Jett and Cherie Curry, played by Dakota Fanning and Kristen Stewart, unrespectively, I think I had them backwards, also starring Michael Shannon, Riley Keough, Kale. Q, K.O., Riley Cow, Q, Q, I don't know, Alias Shawcat, Tatum O'Neill, and more. It has a 3.1 average rating on Letterboxd, and honestly, what drew me to this is Kristen Stewart. I love Kristen Stewart. Um, Basher all you want for the uh, Twilight movies. I think that she is a great actress. I think she was criminally underseen and uh, snubbed. I, not really snubbed. I never expected her to get any nominations for Clouds of Silmaria, but I thought she was great in that. I think that she, when she's given the role a role that that can really be. Uh, that can, you can really dive into. I think she does a great job with it. Dakota Fanning, I'm less excited by. I think that Elle Fanning is a better actor than she is. But I do have my moments where I like her, so hopefully this will be one of them. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's uh, The Runaways. I'm looking forward to it. Number seven, a movie featuring time travel. I mean, kind of endless amount of possibilities here. I went with a 1970 film directed by Ted Post, who I've never seen anything else by. And this is the sequel to The Planet of the Apes from the 1960s, and that is Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, you know, I, I have all of the Planet of the Apes movies downloaded already, so I figured... As much as I enjoyed the first one, I should probably watch the next one. Just to see, you know, how the story progresses. This film has a much lower rating on here on Letterboxd. It has a 2.9, uh, which isn't great. It stars James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, Paul Richards, Charlton Heston... David Watson, Thomas Gomez, among others. Uh, I don't know the plot to this, as it is a completely different uh, plot line from the current Planet of the Apes films being released, and the remake by Tim Burton never got a sequel because it did so poorly. Uh, therefore, 
this one I'm kind of going in blind. You know, I knew a lot of scenes and iconic imagery from the first movie, but to my not to the best of my knowledge, I don't know anything about uh, the sequels to it. So it'll be interesting to see how well it holds up, whether or not it is as bad, or whether or not I think it is as bad as some people seem to think it is, as far as the chronology goes. And hopefully I'll be able to put further sequels into subsequent scavenger hunts going forward. Number eight, a movie set or shot in Florida. Uh, I expect that that is because Tyler Perkins is from Florida. Seems likely. Um, I went with a 2014 film directed by Ramin Barani. I'm sure I pronounced that wrong. I've seen one of his films, and that's At Any Price, which I thought was terrible. Um, I don't remember when I saw it. I saw it June 17th, 2014. That is so, so far away ago for me in terms of how many movies I've seen since then. But uh, looking at At Any Price anyway that uh, the first sentence of the summary is set in the competitive world of modern agriculture. No thanks. Uh, anyway, this film, though, that he directed has definitely got a lot of praise when it first came out. I know my roommate saw it shortly after it came out a couple of years ago and thought it was great. It stars one of my favorite actors of all time, Michael Shannon, as well as Andrew Garfield, who is currently nominated for Best Actor this year, uh, as well as Laura Dern, among others, and that is 99 Homes. Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of a real estate movie. Michael Shannon's wielding a gun in the, or wielding is probably the wrong word, holding a gun in the poster. And, uh, yeah, I've heard that it is more of a kind of an actor's showcase. Uh, so insofar as that's what it's about, it's got a 3.6 average rating on Letterboxd. Uh, but I, I also have heard, uh, after kind of the craze died down about it, that it was very overrated. I don't, I don't know about that. We'll, we'll see. Um... We'll see how that goes, you know, whether or not I side on the powerful acting moments or the overrated, overblown movie. 99 Homes. Number nine, a movie with a mystical experience. Uh, yeah, plenty of movies have mystical experiences in them. But this one caught my eye because after his most recent film came out this year, I really wanted to go back and check out other films of his uh, that kind of fit in the same canon. And that is a 1997 film from one Martin Scorsese, Kundun. Uh, Kundun is the Dalai Lama, uh, the Tibetan figurehead of sorts. And this film follows... Uh, the Dalai Lama's escape to India and life in exile and some, I don't know. I guess there's more to it than that. This is not generally regarded as one of the greatest Scorsese films. It only has a 3.3 average rating here on Letterboxd. But it does seem to be a very different style of film from what I'm kind of become used to seeing from Scorsese. Uh... All that being said, Silence was a very significant departure from my familiarity with Scorsese in and of itself. So presumably this is much more in line with Silence. That probably will mean I won't like it as much, but, uh, you know, no prejudgment here. We'll go into this film and just appreciate it for what it is and go from there. Kunden. Number 10. A movie parodied by The Simpsons. I feel like you could probably find any, pick any movie really to satisfy this category. I doubt that the 
that there's much they haven't covered in all the years that they've been playing. This is another movie that is on the Cinderella's Top 200. And in this case, it is on Zach's. It's, in, it's Zach's 27th best film, uh, which is his second highest film uh, that I still have yet to see. And that is the 1987 uh, masterpiece by Stanley Kubrick, Full Metal Jacket. Yes, I've never seen Full Metal Jacket, starring Matthew Modine, Adam Baldwin, Vincent, among others. And it's not for lack of desire to see it. I just haven't picked it yet, I guess. That's kind of where I'm at with any movie I haven't seen. I just didn't pick it yet. Uh, the highest ra average rating so far of the movies I've looked at, and that's a 4.1. Yeah, this is, it's Full Metal Jacket, and it's Stanley Kubrick. I think Stanley Kubrick is fan, as a phenomenal director. I've only heard good things about Full Metal Jacket, and uh, I don't think I need to say anything more. Number 11, a movie featuring a counterculture point of view. This is somewhat, this was somewhat, somewhat of a tough one to pin down uh, in far, as far as, finding a movie that satisfied this until I realized that most of Richard Linklater's films outside of Boyhood and, and the Before Trilogy kind of satisfy that task. So since I've seen a lot of his films already, the one, one of the ones I haven't seen yet is his 1996 effort, Suburbia. Suburbia, starring Jace Bartok, Amy Cat Carey, Nikki Cat. AJ Naidu, Parker Posey, Giovanni Ribisi, uh, Steve Zan, Zan, Zanzan, Zan, Zanzan. Uh, yeah. It's uh, a small film, small cast, and uh, that's it. I don't know. I, I like Ribisi. I like Steve Zahn. Uh, Parker Posey grows on me a little bit, but. I don't recognize any of the other names, but that's all a moot point because I absolutely love Richard Linklater. Easily one of my top 10 directors of personal desire to see his films. Uh, you know, I, he has he's the director with the most films in my top 100 at four, which is absurd. So... Could not be more excited for this film. It only has a 3.1 average rating on Letterboxd, but I'm going in with a lot of hype, a lot of desire to see it. Number 12, a movie set in the antebellum South. Again, this is a again this is a category that can really satisfy a lot of different movies, uh, but the one that I picked is a Zach top 200 film, uh, his, his uh, rank 178th film, and that is the 1989 Edward Zwick film, Glory. Edward Zwick also directed The Last Samurai, uh, recently directed Jack Reacher Never Go Back, which was awful, directed Legends of the Fall, which was, I think, a November scavenger hunt movie, which was also terrible, and Love and Other Drugs, which I quite enjoyed, along with Last Summer. I liked I liked both of those, but not too much. Uh, and in fact, he will have another film showing up later on this list. But Glory stars Matthew Broderick, Denzel Washington, Carrie Elwes, Morgan Freeman, Andre Brower among others, J.O. Sanders, among others, uh, has an average rating of 3.7, and it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, I, it isn't a film that it really has ever really crossed my mind, um, I, I mean, I knew about it, I understood that it was 
kind of a relevant film. You know, it's an Oscar-nominated film. Uh, I know, you know, Broderick and Denzel are both great actors. I believe that... I, I fully believe that it it's, you know, going to be enjoyable. It does feel like it's war- walking across well-trodden ground. And as one of the... <laughs> reviews that I see here says that it seems very self-congratulatory. I'm not sure about all that, uh, but we'll see. You know, I'll watch it, I'll figure it out for myself, and let you guys know. Glory. Number 13, a movie featuring troubled youth. This is another top 200 film from this one from James. This is his 46th overall best film. That is the 1995 Larry Clark film, Kids. Kids uh, starring Leo Fitzpatrick, Rosario Dawson, Chloe Sevigny, and Justin Pierce is given an average rating of 3.4 on Letterboxd. And it is a very uh, divisive film. I have a rough idea of what it's about uh, as far as topic. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, HIV and AIDS bandied about a lot in the discussion of this film. So I get somewhat of a um, rent vibe to it, although without the music. I'm sure there's much more to it and that it's... I've heard that it's very tough to watch, uh, so I will be very careful watching this. Um, so that's uh, kids. I don't think I want to talk about it anymore. Number 14, a movie featuring a first kiss or first sexual experience. Went with a movie that was kind of a staple for kids at the time when it came out. Uh, unfortunately, it came out much too early for me to have a chance of watching it. In fact, it came out 10 years before I was born. 1981, directed by Bob Clark. Bob Clark, uh, director of A Christmas Story, Loose Cannons, Black Christmas. Those are the three I've seen, as well as Baby Geniuses. Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, Rhinestone, Death Dream. Um, But he also directed this 1981 teen classic, Porky's. And uh, yeah, Porky's is... I don't know, I I watched Revenge of the Nerds, uh, you know, last fall for the first time ever. And I... it to be similar to this with very juvenile antics uh, very sort of grade school humor and a very slight touch of um, rapey rape culture and sexual assault played for humor um, just based on the poster with one eye looking through a hole in the wall at a presumed, presumably naked woman showering I feel like I'll probably laugh and enjoy the movie while I watch it and then be very disappointed in the movie when it's over. Um, But we'll see. Maybe it will be bad enough to make me feel that way during. Who knows? Uh, Starring Dan Monaghan, Mark Harrier, Wyatt Knight, Cyril O'Reilly, Tony Ganios, and Kim Cattrall, among others. Porkies. Halfway there. Number 15, a movie that passed the Bechdel test. The Bechdel test being the test to see whether or not you have two female characters. That's step one. Whether or not they talk to each other. That's step two. And whether or not they talk to each other about something other than a man. That's step three. This is another film. Uh, this this film is on James's top 200, sort of. Uh, his, his number 90th slot is the Die Hard trilogy. I have only seen, of the specific trilogy of films he means, I have only seen the first one. Uh, So this is Die Hard 2 
from 1990, directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh, also directed Deep Blue Sea, The Long Kiss Goodnight, a previous scavenger hunt film, The Covenant, and Exorcist, The Beginning of the ones I've seen. I didn't see Deep Blue Sea, uh, so the other three I've seen. But he has also directed Cliffhanger, Deep Blue Sea, The Legend of Hercules, Devil's Pass, Cutthroat Island, um, a weird Jackie Chan, Johnny Knoxville buddy cop movie that came out this past year. What? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a thing. Die to Die Hard 2, Die Harder, starring Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, William Atherton, Reginald Ville Johnson, William Sadler, John Amos. Uh, you know, it's got a lot to live up to. And apparently it doesn't really live up to the first one. It's got a 3.3 average. I expect it to be significantly worse than the first Die Hard. First off, there's no Alan Rickman character. I can't imagine anyone really stepping in to fill the same shoes. He was an incredible villain. But, you know, it's got a Bruce Willis action star in it. I'm sure it'll be a lot of good pulpy fun. But I don't really expect it to be much more than that. Number 16. A movie that questions religious beliefs. This one, really didn't know where to go for this. Uh, so I went to Ingmar Bergman. And I went to his 1963 film. Ingmar Bergman, director of Persona, The Virgin Spring, Wild Strawberries, and Fanny and Alexander, as far as the films that I've seen. Uh, also directed The Seventh Seal, which was... Uh, one of uh, Tyler Perkins' favorite films of all time. But instead of that, I'm watching Winter Light. Winter Light is... Uh, I'm not sure. It stars Ingrid Thulin, Gunnar Bjornstrand, Gunnel, Lindblom, and Max von Sydow. It is an average rating of 4.2, higher even than uh, Full Metal Jacket. But, you know, Ingmar Bergman is an incredible director. Um, one that definitely is hit or miss with me. And I'm not sure, you know, obviously I'm not sure where this is going to land. Uh, but it is a very short film. This is a very common topic uh, for Bergman to kind of poke at religion and find out whether how much water it really holds. So as far as that exercise is concerned, I'm very interested uh, in seeing what this film really brings to light for him as a director. Winter Light. Number 17, a movie featured in Mark Cousins' documentary. So, I believe that the documentary being referred to here is the first, the story of film, an odyssey, uh, something else. The story of film, yeah, the story of film, an odyssey, is a 15-hour uh, documentary that was presented on TV in 15 one-hour chapters. Um, you know, Mark Cousins is a film critic from Northern Ireland. And uh, it covers pretty much everything. There's very few films that he does not look at. And, uh, man, just scrolling through all these films, it is a plethora. You could really pick any film you really wanted. And uh, he really does cover the entirety of film history. Um, you know, and it, this 15th episode hits the 2000s, uh, the very early 2000s, 
I think the latest film that he references is Avatar from 2009, I believe, which is interesting. Oh no, epilogue. Uh, he uses uh, Inception from uh, from 2010. Man, I, I should probably look into that. Anyway, um, so that was the category. And I went with a 1966 film directed by Vera Chitolova. Chitolova? Chitolo, Chitolova? I don't know. I've never seen any of her films before. But it is a movie called Daisies. Um, yeah, I'm just going to read the synopsis summary because I don't really know anything about it. It's got an average film rating, average rating of 3.9, and the summary is, two teenage girls, both named Marie, decide that since the world is spoiled, they will be spoiled as well. Accordingly, they embark on a series of destructive pranks in which they consume and destroy the world about them. This freewheeling, madcap, feminist farce was immediately banned by the government. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I think this is going to be my favorite film of the month. I'm calling it right now. There's some pretty great films on this list. I'm going to go right down now on record and say this is the my favorite film of the month. That's my prediction. Number 18. A movie with the death of a parent. Could have picked any Disney film, really. They seem to all have that trope in them. But having just watched 20th Century Women and loving it to death loving it to death i went with another mike mills film beginners beginners came out in 2010 stars ewan mcgregor christopher Plummer, melanie laurent among others uh, three actors that i quite enjoy uh, i suppose ewan mcgregor is my least favorite of the three but that's mm, that's fine i i've heard that where begin where 20th century women is Mike Mills film regarding his relationship with his mother beginners is Mike Mills film involving his relationship with his father and so this will kind of round out that experience for me uh, this is a Oscar nominated film I believe he was nominated for writing for this one and uh, it's a, got a 3.7 average film rating. I do expect to like this one quite a bit. Quite a bit. Number 19. A movie featuring a vinyl con collection. Uh, yeah. Vinyl. It's a thing. I went with a film from 1995 directed by Alan Moyle. Uh, this is the first film of his that I've seen. It stars Anthony LaPaglia, Debbie Mazar, Maxwell Caulfield, Liv Tyler, Robin Tooney, Renee Zellweger, Ethan Embry, among others. And that is Empire Records. Empire Records is uh, just about the employees of an independent music store as they learn about each other. It's got a 3.2 average rating on Letterboxd. Uh, seems like a very typical 90s film about teenagers. It's got some pretty divisive reviews here. One star, two star, four and a half stars. Four stars, four stars, four stars. Uh, so, could go either way. Probably is going to end up in the middle for me somehow. I find that that kind of happens more often than not. But, uh, you know, it's got some potential. You know, a lot of people have seen it. Seven and a half thousand people on Letterboxd have seen it. So it's got a pretty healthy number of ratings uh, for a 3.2 average. So that's respectful. Uh, yeah. Empire Records. Number 20. A movie featuring an American president. So I took this to mean a president that's American. Not a president, a, like a real life, like not a version of an actual president that we've had. So not Daniel Day-Lewis Lincoln, but rather any movie with any president that runs America. 
and in that sense, I went with a 2013 film directed by John M. Chu. It is a sequel to something else I've seen. Uh, he recently uh, directed Now You See Me 2, uh, which came out this year. He has also directed Gem and the Holograms, which did absolutely horrid. He directed Step Up 2 and 3. And he is the director of the Justin Bieber movies. So... Hmm. Not a great pedigree. This film, though, is G.I. Joe Retaliation. The sequel to G.I. Joe, the first movie. Which was The Rise of Cobra. That was the first one. G.I. Joe Retaliation stars Dwayne Johnson, DJ Katrona, Adrian Palicki, Bruce Willis, Ray Park, Channing Tatum, Lee Byung-hun, Elodie Young, Ray Stevenson, Jonathan Price, RZA, and others. Really big cast, considering I expect this to be absolute dog shit. He's got a 2.4 average rating on Letterboxd. The first one was poorly received critically, although I guess it did enough money overseas to warrant making a second one. Uh... You know, and kind of just follows the same plot that you would expect it to follow. Where the actions of the first movie ended up in end up in the president disbanding the G.I. Joe team, only for them to do something amazing, probably, and become reinstated. Number 21. A movie featuring a character being martyred. Um... So this is uh, the day, February 21st, the day Malcolm X was assassinated, hence the uh, category task. And rather than spend my time trying to find a film with a martyr in it, I simply chose to watch Malcolm X. This is a movie that I have not seen, and I am all about watching Denzel Washington absolutely crush everything for three hours <laughs> uh, yeah Malcolm X the much more controversial um, black nationalist leader opposite uh, opposite wow Martin Luther King Jr. sorry uh, this is came out in 1992 directed by Spike Lee third month in a row with a Spike Lee film, I think, third, maybe fourth, third, third month in a row with a Spike Lee film in my scavenger hunt, this one a 3.9 average rating, definitely considered to be closer to the, closer to do the right thing than Jungle Fever, I would say, and I'm hoping that it, uh, plays out as such, starring Denzel Washington, Angela Bassett, Albert Hall, Delroy Lindo, Spike Lee, Theresa Randall, Kate Vernon, and others, Peter Boyle, Karen Allen, Christopher Plummer, Debbie Mazar, Giancarlo Esposito, Wendell Pierce, and others, and others, and others. Uh, Malcolm X, very highly re uh, revered film, particularly for Denzel's performance. It is uh, an Oscar-nominated film, and I am very much looking forward to watching it. Number 22. A film from the first half of a 20-plus year director's filmography. So any director who's been directing for 20 years or more take a film from the first half of their period of active directing. The director I went with is Sidney Lumet because I could pick a film that was on one of the top 200s for Zach and James of the Cinerealist podcast. This one is a James film. It is his 148th film overall, and that is Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon from 1975, starring Al Pacino, John Cazale, Charles Durning, Chris Sarandon, James Broderick, Penelope Allen, Carol Kane, 
and others. The tagline is the most bizarre bank siege ever. And I'm hooked. Bank siege, I'm in. Sounds like a film that's going to take place in a relatively confined space with a small cast of characters doing things with each other. Lots of discussion, lots of trickery. I'm in. It's got a 4.1 average rating on Letterboxd. Uh, you know, Sidney Lumet has directed such classics as 12 Angry Men, Murder on the Orient Express, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, Network, uh, and I've liked all of the movies I've seen of his, so it's a shame I haven't seen more of them at this point, but I'm going to rectify that with at least two of his films this month. Uh, so, Dog Day Afternoon is the first uh, from the first half of his filmography. Number 23, a film from the second half of a 20-plus year director's filmography. Uh, I rewrote it, the, that task a little bit for clarity's sake, but the actual task is a film from the second half uh, of the, it, it, the... The actual task description makes it very clear that the films are supposed to be both from the same director. So... Sidney Lumet, uh, the second half of his career, I went with the 2006 film Find Me Guilty, starring Vin Diesel, Alex Rocco, and uh, that's kind of it. Peter Dinklage is in it. That's it. Uh, only has a 3.2 average rating on Letterboxd, very average. Um, but I've... After seeing Vin Diesel in Triple X, I really wanted to see him do something that wasn't stupid, like most of his movies have been of late. I know that he can be a very good actor. I watched a short film of his very recently, and I can I know that he's a good actor. So I want to see him in a role that's not action absurd based. You know, no Triple X, no uh, Chronicles of Riddick, none of that. So find me guilty. That's uh, that's where we went. Number twenty-four, an exploitation film. Lot to pick from. I really don't watch a lot of exploitation films, and uh, to be honest, I was very unsure of what actually classified as an exploitation film. So in case there's anyone else kind of in my boat, as it were, I will kind of find a little description. An exploitation film is a film that attempts to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lurid content. Um, so, generally, this speaks to suggestive or explicit sex, sensational violence, drug use, nudity, Freaks, gore, the bizarre, destruction, rebellion, and mayhem. Uh, I mean, it goes back to as early as the 1920s. And, you know, kind of... You know, it definitely rose, has risen and fallen in popularity as time goes by. I think, personally, these types of films are at a low right now. But in, you know, the 80s, 90s, they were very big grindhouses, drive-ins, um, you know, you got films like, you know, you've got car exploitation, Canuck exploitation for Canadian B-movies, cannibal films, black exploitation is probably the most prominently uh, recognizable ones, with films such as Blackula, uh, Dolomite, Foxy Brown, The Mac, Shaft, Sugar Hill, Superfly, uh, and others. Um, you know, you've got Black Dynamite and Jackie Brown, which are modern homages to this type of that type of film. But I went with uh, a more this, this film is more of a drug-based film as far as its exploitation methods. 
And that's Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, 1970 film directed by Russ Meyer. Uh, yeah, Russ Meyer uh, is more of a is a very successful low budget sexploitation film director. And looking at the films that he's directed, I haven't seen any of his films yet, but his top eight films are in order. Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Super Vixens, Vixen, Up, which looks like Vixen, Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, Mud Honey, Motor Psycho, and uh, I don't think there's a single poster that doesn't feature attractive women with almost always very large breasts on his films. Uh, this one seems to be the least sex-specific one of all, uh, but, you know, who knows. It's got an average film average rating on Letterboxd of 3.4, starring Dolly Reed, Cynthia Myers, John Lazar, uh, with Pam Greer also showing up. Yeah, I, to be honest, I haven't really found, uh, I don't know, a lot of connection to some of the exploitation films from earlier Hollywood. You know, they, they don't really connect with me. I don't find myself enjoying them. I've seen, I haven't seen a ton of them, to be fair. But I've seen a couple of the more notable ones. I don't remember their names offhand. But I, I don't think that they... They generally don't work for me, so we'll be. It'll be interesting to see if Beyond the Valley of the Dolls can make some sort of connection. I don't know. Uh, number twenty-five, a silent movie for I think that the twenty-fifth of February is uh, the Quiet Day or something like that. Uh, so, this is another film from the top two hundred of James and Zach, uh, with this film being Safety Last. Zach's 186th overall film. Uh, this came out in 1923, directed by Fred C. Neumeyer and Sam Taylor. Uh, Fred C. Neumeyer, this will be the first film of his that I've seen. And likewise for Sam Taylor. This stars Harold Lloyd and Mildred Davis uh, with the infamous clock tower scene. Or, I guess it's not really a clock tower, but it's a, a tall building with a clock face on it. Uh, it's a 70-minute movie. Silent film. Has an average of 4.1 on Letterboxd. Very, very high. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've i seen some good silent movies, for sure. I won't deny that. But, you know, the, the problematic silentness of it all is very problematic it's it just i don't like that and i haven't found a silent film that has turned me around on enjoyment factor at least so maybe maybe this one be make the difference maybe it will i hope so because there's such a plethora of silent films uh, in the great catalog of every film ever released. And it would be a shame to have to go into watching an entire subset of those films uh, with a negative connotation. Uh, so hopefully Safety Last will surprise me. Number 26, a movie from 2016 you've been meaning to watch. Uh, I simply took a movie from 2016 that... I that has gotten very good ratings on Letterboxd and went with that since pretty much every movie on on in the world is a movie that I've been wanting to see and that is a uh directed by Kleber Mendoka Filo Ugh. <laughs> it's his film from last year Aquarius uh Aquarius starring Sonia Braga Maeve Jenkins Irontir Santos and a lot of other names that I don't recognize. Uh, 
It's got a 4.1 average rating on Letterboxd. And I don't really know much else about it. The poster is a woman walking down a small alleyway, I guess, looking up and to the right at something. The title doesn't really tell me anything. And everyone liked it. So <laughs> that's where we're at. Number 27, a movie from 2006 you've been meaning to watch. This is the other Edwards Vic film that I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is also an Oscar-nominated film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jimin Hounsou, Jennifer Connelly, and others. This is Blood Diamond. Uh, Blood Diamond, I remember when it came out, I wasn't particularly interested in, interested in seeing it and nothing's really changed since then but i went to th 2006 and there it was i believe it is the most popular film from 2006 that i have not yet seen and that's how i chose it um yeah i really like dicaprio i like jennifer Connelly. i like jimen hounsu and i apparently really like edwards vick no i don't that's a lie Edwards Vick. Uh, Blood Diamond has a 3.6 average rating on Letterboxd. And so it will be interesting to see if this or Glory gets a higher rating uh, at the end of the month. We'll see. And finally, number 28. A film set in a single day. And lo and behold, yet another film that makes the top 200 for Zach and James. This is a Zach film. This is his 58th overall film. And that is the 1985 Jonathan Lynn classic, Clue. Clue takes place in a single evening. Starring Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Mull, Leslie Ann Warren, Colleen Camp. Uh, yeah, big cast. And average rating of 3.6. It's a very iconic movie that pretty much uh, is like a, is a, the quintessential whodunit. And... Yeah, I uh, don't know. I, I, I'm I interested. I really enjoy Tim Curry. I, I think he's great. So I'll be interested to see him kind of running the show here. As far as I'm aware, that's what he does. And, uh, you know, it's it's like a comedy mystery thriller crime movie. And uh, that kind of checks off all, a lot of boxes that I like. But I, I want it to be... I want it to be really funny. I, I expect it to be very funny. And I think that it will be. I think it'll be quite enjoyable. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I've heard by rumor that there, like when the movie first came out, that it was released with multiple endings to give you different, um, I don't know, to give you different endings to, uh, uh, so that different people, different film goers, moviegoers would see different whodunits that ended with a different uh, perpetrator, a different accused, as it were. I don't know how that works with like getting downloading the movie, but whatever. I guess when I'm, if I'm, if it comes up at all during the review episode in 27 days or so, I'll mention who. I mean, it came out 30 years ago, so I will explain who did it and. 
maybe that's different from the version somebody else saw. I don't know. Interesting. So that is the February scavenger hunt preview. A lot of very highly rated films in this list. I said that last month, and I thought that last month was going to be great. I'm not going to go out on a limb again this month. I will reiterate that I do think the best film that I see this month will be Daisies. And I don't really have a huge basis for that claim, but I just got a vibe. While I was talking about it, I just got a vibe. But we will see. A lot of good, supposedly a lot of good movies here. A couple of stinkers, but that's kind of how it's always going to be. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your listenership. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or critiques, you can either email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com or go to the website circleoffilm.com for any information you might desire. You can also find my current nominees of the Circle of Film Awards uh, in various categories on the website, as well as past winners of the superlatives uh, for the scavenger hunts, starting with November of 2016. Thank you again, uh, and as always, have a week. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.